welcome back everybody to another episode of clubhouse talk this is one of your co-hosts kylie morrison here alongside joseph Moraz. it's going to be a uh this is probably gonna be a little bit shorter podcast and uh we're used to recording but it's just been a light week in sports have have you been joe been doing good yeah i, I think we might stumble upon these a couple times as baseball season rolls through because week to week there's not always going to be a whole lot to talk about but we still want to keep you guys in the loop on what we're seeing out on the field and where we uh we hope to see the Braves going forward yeah it's, it's a little bit different than football I guess where you've got um it, it sounds weird with football only having one day a week and but yet it, sometimes it feels like that has more happen in one week than you get with an entire week of baseball sometimes you can almost just get a lot of chalk games and with 162 of them they're not all ride or die Right, yeah, and, that, and that's exactly it. It's not every game has the significance that it has in the NFL. I mean, we were talking last week that it's it's not a big deal 10 games through the season. If you're 10 games through the season in the NFL and you're off to a bad start, your season's basically done. Yeah, so. exactly. I think, I think I saw it. It's 10 games of, you know, if you do the math, it's about 10 games in baseball is equivalent to one NFL game. So you're, you're right. one week of the season, basically, for other sports. So, yeah, it's you got to take it all in stride, but – you know, there's still trends that will happen, so we'll, we'll dive on into it. Before we get into baseball, I actually want to jump to to golf and, and get your opinions on Stewie Singh coming back and making this resurgence in his career at age 47. He's won two times now and technically this calendar year on the PGA Tour, winning in the fall season, uh, I think back in October or November, and then just won this past week at, at the RBC Heritage and. I mean, the guy absolutely controlled it from start to finish. He didn't lead the first day, but he shot 63, 63, 68, 69. That's or 69-70. I think that's pretty, pretty solid stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of funny how he did. I mean, after he won the open, really, he didn't do anything until recently. And I, what was it? I think he went seven years without a win. Yeah. And then and then he rattles off two and within seven or so months of each other. So I, it's really cool to see guys like that, that were, I, I guess Stewart was a pretty big name back when we were first getting into golf and uh, then disappeared and came back. So it's, it's cool to see that. It's also cool to have his caddy on the back. He had an interesting comment. He was like, you know, he's not just my son. He's a, a professional caddy that's doing a phenomenal job out there. And I think that's pretty evident in the results because he's played well, even outside the wins really in the last year. Yeah. He had a great, great finish the week before at Augusta finishing top 12, um, getting his auto invite for the next year. He's been playing good here in weekend week out. He's actually gotten some distance back. He's driving it up over 300 yards. Um, but you interesting point about kind of calling his son a professional caddy. It, it was wild to me watching him and his son walk through these shots. It, a wind gust would come up and Stewart would back off the ball and he'd be asking his son for the opinion it's like you know Stewart's had 20 years plus on tour and he's asking his son for these you know judgment calls about hey are we good here and his son's giving him the answers left and right and it, it worked out all week yeah I mean Stewart has been on the tour longer than his son's been alive basically so I, I do agree I think that's really cool I think it's just one of those things that just shows the importance of the caddy player relationship that's often not brought up very much on tour so it, it was a cool little little thing to see and to hear about all that 
yeah, I, it, it was a really fun thing to watch for, for that family to be able to, to celebrate it. They had his wife and his other son was there, um, flew in. They, he said that morning, Sunday morning from Wyoming to be able to celebrate it with them and, and just kind of seeing how, uh, you know, almost rejuvenated and, and youthful Stewart kind of looked and happy getting to do it alongside his son. Um, I guess another question I want to ask is Murakawa finished. Uh, I think he finished tied for seventh coming into the coming into Sunday. He was tied for, he was in second place alone four four back of Stuart sink and really the entire week just putted horribly. And then Sunday really didn't have much going on. I mean, the first three days I saw it where Stuart sink and Murakawa both had like tw- 11 or 12 shots gained strokes, uh, just from tee to green. And then you get on the green and Stewart was gaining like another four or five on the greens and Morikawa was losing too. So there's your difference of going, them going mm-hmm. into Sunday. Are you concerned that Morikawa's putting is still an issue, even after all the grip changes and everything? I think you have to be, I mean, this is, it's always been the concern with him, but he, he is good enough of a ball striker where he can basically ball strike his way to a win on a good week and he has so I don't think it's like a huge deal where it's gonna make him fall off the planet but as long as his ball striking continues to be the way it is he'll still be in contention fairly consistently but it the good news is he knows what he needs to work on it's not like he's got a couple things in his game going wrong it's just solely once he finds that putter he'll be in that elite category of players that I think he's already on the cusp of I mean his ball striking is good enough he's gonna pretty much make every cut he plays or every turn make the cut at every turn he plays in. And I guess it's just going to be a matter of if that putter gets rolling, then you better watch out because it's going to be at the top of the leaderboard. But I, I mean, most of these tournaments, even without putting well, he's at the top of the leaderboard, which is frankly a little scary. Exactly. And that, that's the point I'm trying to make is he's so freaking good tee to green that if you can just get it in the hole, he's going to be, light years well not light years but he'll be he'll be up there with the top dogs yeah and frankly he already is i mean to be honest it's kind of <laughs> nitpick. i mean the guy won a major last year so just say he's not but he's won a major in a wgc and a regular pga tour event in the last you know in the last i think 10 months and that pga tour event was also quite a strong field yeah i mean it when i refer to the elite players i'm talking about like the dj's the Kepkas, the DeChambeaus of the world. Speaking of those elite players, you see the uh, the new news from the PGA Tour that came out today? Uh, on, I may not. On the uh, – it's kind of like a new base salary oh, yeah. type, yes, type deal of um, re- players are going to start getting a, a revenue share. They're almost calling it kind of the, the tiger effect and all this extra money that started to pour into the game over the last couple decades. And uh, now the players are kind of clamoring for some of that revenue. Yeah. So basically the way it's broken down is there's going to be money given out based on your standing in the FedEx cup points, oddly enough, how, how frequently your Google searched and then your relationships with sponsors of the tour and, and other sponsors out there who are giving money to the PGA tour. So Personally, I think it, it's still going to be like padding the pockets more of your your top guys that are already making cash hand over fist playing golf. And I don't know <laughs> how much it's going to affect your 
pure rookies and the guys just getting on tour. But I, it is an interesting change to the game. I can't say I really love it, as has become a, a theme with any time a major sport tries to change something with me. I, I like to dig my heels in because I, I really like the aspect that you got to earn every penny out on the PGA Tour. But, you know, if, if, if it ends up being that they're giving more money to the, the guys who are out there that aren't winning every week and constantly making cuts, then, you know, so be it. I'm, I'm all good with that. Yeah, you're, Joseph is not a proponent of change in just about anything <laughs> here. So uh, that is a pretty consistent take on this podcast is that if there's change, Joe is against it. Well, I don't know. Call me old-fashioned, I guess. <laughs> I will call you old-fashioned. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I get what you're saying, and I, and I do agree with it, that it's, it's going to be a little bit different. I hope that this doesn't turn into kind of like an ad fair and, and players – really trying to push their own branding out there. I don't know if that's what this is going to turn into. Um, obviously players do. Some players have their own brands. I mean, I know like Spieth has his own logo logo, and, and Phil and Tiger had his own logo, logo and that kind of stuff. But I wonder if this is going to turn into all players having that kind of thing as well. I would imagine not just because I don't think a lot of those guys are going to have the market for it. You know, I, I have a hard time thinking if, you know, some guy – just comes off the corn ferry or something is going to be able to jump on the PGA tour and be able to slap his logo on the side of a title. I, <laughs> I, I can't see the Titleist sponsors Titleist being okay with that. But again, I don't know. I, I'd like to, we'll, we'll know more once the, you know, the total figures come out, but I hope it's not going to be like where the PGA tour is essentially giving Dustin Johnson a $15 million salary as if the guy doesn't make enough money. I'd like to see it get a little I'd like to see it get spread thinner across the whole board, but we'll see. Equality for everyone, Joe. Is that what you're calling for? No, I'm just saying that those guys don't need, I mean, why would you go through all of these changes to pay somebody who's making $50 million a year more money? Yeah. I mean, he, they, people already look at golf and kind of get blown away by some of the figures these guys make. And I have a feeling that it could get a, whole lot more. I mean, they were already making a lot of money on their sponsorships as is. DJ off earnings alone in September of last year made $23 million. That is insane. Yeah. So <laughs> that that's the point I'm trying to get across is like, if it, if it's just going to be the, the top 10, 15 players in the world, seeing a big cut out of this, then what's the point? Because at that point it, it, I know they're ultra competitive, but does that de-incentivize them to play well week in and week out? or to have these good sponsor relationships. Yeah. They might put more time into that and less time into their own golf game. Exactly. We'll have to see how this affects golf. I mean, sound pretty much in any sport, you start making changes, something's going to get affected and someone it's going to help someone. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt someone else. So we'll have to see who falls on which side of the coin. Yes, we will. But, We'll, we'll know more as, as it comes out. And it might not even be a, a big thing. It might just be a small like profit-sharing plan, essentially. Yeah, we might have just wasted 10 minutes of our time talking about it. Who knows? <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the first time. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, and now we'll, we'll go ahead and switch bases now over to baseball. We can kind of update everyone on, on where the Braves are, the, the very hobbled and injured Braves. I 
feel like every day we're turning around and somebody else is, is getting hurt. I mean, right now off the top of my head, you've got Max Freed's on the 10 day IL. You've got Chris Martin. Who's on the IL hasn't started throwing Mike Soroka, who obviously was coming off the Achilles injury um, was on a two week shutdown. That's supposed to end, I believe tomorrow or Thursday is his two week shutdown. Um, and then he'll have to ramp back up again from there. You've got Newcombs on the COVID list right now. Um, <laughs> Ozzy Albies was just activated back on today. You've got Pache, uh, Pache is on the IL. Ender is on the IL. Acuna just had an abdominal strain. Luckily is not going on the IL from what it sounds. He's day to day. It's just, it, I feel like it's every day and turn around and, Somebody else is hurt. It has been. It's ridiculous. I mean, when when Acuna went down and basically a meaningless slide, head first slide in that Cubs game when we were up like oh, like thirteen to three at the time, I wanted to vomit on my kitchen table. <laughs> I, I was so disgusted because it's such a freak thing, and, and we talked about this when it first happened. Like, it he's probably slid head first tens of thousands of times in his life. I don't think he ever slides feet first, to be honest. I don't think he does either. <laughs> and for that to be what happened, I mean, if it would have been anything serious, I would have, I don't know what I would have done, but hopefully, well, thankfully, I don't have to worry about it. You know, but, I really don't know. Oh, excuse me. I really don't know if uh, it was that slide in a home that, that did it because it, he dove into first base, got up, was kind of pointing at his just over his hip, kind of in his stomach area, in his abdomen region, and was kind of messed around with it. The next guy gets walked. He goes down to second, and the trainer comes out to look at him. They talk. He decides to stay in the game. I believe he gets moved over to third, or it's an RBI single. I forget which. And he comes in and scores, and he dove. He dies head first in scores and I just wonder if where the score was with it being 13 to to three at the time or, or what have you that they just kind of like eh we don't need him out there because clearly even hurt he's still going to continue to dive and play 110 percent which is one of the great things about Acuna is that he always <laughs> exactly. plays hard but at the same time you kind of wish in a moment like that that he just wouldn't <laughs> I know but Man, yeah, I, I think you are right. I think it was something on the on the pickoff when he was on first base is when it, it first got agitated. But so I, I just hope that they pulled him out kind of as precautionary, almost for his own good on Tuesday on, on Sunday night. But I will it say seems that way. I will say that was a really big game for the Braves in terms of it, they finally got offense out of everybody who wasn't hitting so far i mean acuna was the only one that was hitting and then down goes acuna and everyone starts kind of wondering you know where's this offense going to come from but you know the braves exploded for four homers in the first inning walk out 6-0 and going to the bottom of the first you can't ask for much more and then you get a couple more later in the game and they win 13 to 4 it was kind of a almost like a make right game after actually losing the, the day before 13 to 4 but just to see that offense wake up had to be really nice to uh, to watch as a fan. It was. I can attest to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was awesome. I mean, it, look, the Braves' batting was never going to be the problem this season. I mean, we we started out sluggish, and yes, it was frustrated, and I got caught into the frustration of it. But 
they were it was bound to come around eventually. And but now the concern shifts to can we get our starters through five to six innings consistently, which is what I think the the winning recipe is going to be for us this season is can we get quality starts out of our starting pitchers and limit the exposure of the bullpen? Yeah, I that, I think you're right there in saying limit the exposure of the bullpen because <laughs> um, last year that was one of the beauties is that even though the Braves starting pitching wasn't great and we had everybody get hurt and you had all these kind of starters or I guess almost just long relievers come in and, and start games that were getting you three or four innings. Our bullpen was so good and so deep that it worked. You could get through. You had confidence in it. Now it's opposite. Now it's like you need us to get six, seven innings out of your starters just to feel good. Now I can't even say that I – I mean, confidence in either of them. I think our pitching across the board this year has been terrible. I mean, <laughs> frankly, I don't think our starters have done that great either. Yeah, our only so, only bright star in uh, starters was Yanoa, and he was the one that got shelled in that in that yeah, game the other day. Absolutely shelled. So there hasn't been anybody immune to the the Braves pitching woes this year. Um, but hopefully, Max will take his IL, do some soul searching, and be back to the the stud that we know him to be. And then Soroka's Achilles and and shoulder are good to go, and. A, I don't know exactly what the timetable for his return will actually look like, but I'm hoping by midsummer we have a healthy peaking rotation and we can take this division by the horns. <laughs> I mean, we got to, got to stay in it. I mean, we look at it right now and the Mets are, the Mets are off to a roaring start. The Phillies are playing well. It's really just us and the nationals are only two quote unquote struggling at this point. Um, I think the Braves are seven and nine coming into the game today. And we really got to keep, got to keep treading water right now until we get healthy. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. We got, we can't afford to get swept or go on some sort of, you know, four loss out of six run or something like that. We really need to be around 500 or slightly over it. I think to stay consistent because like we've said time and time again, even before the season, this is a, a complete division. There's not going to be any walkover series in the NL East this year. No, and that's really a, a shame when you have 19 games versus each team. Yes, that is that's a lot of that's a lot of what is that? Third, 1938, 68. That's 76 games that are just all grinders every single time you step in. Yeah, and, and look, it, it's great from a fan perspective. I mean, we we would love to see the Braves have an easier path to get, get the win, but being able to watch good baseball night in and night out is, is going to be great this season, especially coming down the stretch where it's you know fairly likely to have three teams that are going to be in the running at the end of it. Do yeah. I know who those three teams are? Absolutely not. We might not be one of them. <laughs> Hopefully we're, we're, we're the team that everyone's trying to catch, but – that's the glory of baseball. Exactly. I mean, that's one of the great things about having 162 games is the best team of that division is going to walk out at the end of the year. Um, here we are in April, and by no means can you make any sort of long-term judgments. I mean, the Nationals a couple of years ago in 2019 were 10 or 15 games below 500 in the middle of May, and they won the World Series that year. So it, it's a matter of – it's a matter of you just got to get to the playoffs. And then once you get to the playoffs and anything can happen, 
and we have a whole lot of baseball left to be played before we get to October. But right now, I like I said, I think it's just treading water. It's trying to take advantage of opportunities when we're when we're playing out of the division, because uh, odds are those are going to be the easier games this year for the most part. Take advantage of those and you know hold on for dear life because it's going to be going to be a long one. Yes, it is, but a good one. Absolutely. Well, I I promise that this one was going to be a short one. I'm I think this is what maybe twenty ish minutes long for you guys. We really don't have too much big news uh, like we said it was it was a pretty light week um next week though we'll have the nfl draft we'll, we'll have a preview episode coming out on next tuesday night before the nfl draft go, uh, happens on on thursday night we might try and bring a bring a guest on for that to help us and dive into it people who would uh know a little bit more about where we expect each team to draft and and go from there because it's going to be a pretty wild nfl draft i think this year I think so, but I'm excited for it. I think the uh, the QB race will be interesting. See where all those pieces fall out. It, that will be extremely interesting. See where those those kind of top five go, top five QBs go. See if they all go in the first round and and where they all end up. Who makes trades? I, I think it could be a pretty exciting NFL draft next week. But so that's what we got on tap for you guys next week. Uh, you got any last words for the viewers, Joe? Go Braves. Go Braves, like, rate, view, uh, review, subscribe, do it all. We appreciate you guys, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. 